0: Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you so much for joining me for this edition of In Transition, the podcast dedicated to examining the practice of content marketing in government. Today, we're going to head to Southeast Queensland to speak with a leader in digital communication in government in Australia. This guy knows his stuff. But before we speak to our guest, it's definition time. Content marketing is a strategic business process that involves the creation, the curation, and distribution of useful, relevant, and consistent content in order to meet a specific need of an audience in order to achieve a desired citizen or stakeholder action. So that's content marketing, and that is what we're talking about, this strategic business process. So this week, our guest is Matt Murray, the Senior Advisor of Digital Communications for Redland City Council. Matt has over 12 years' experience working for government agencies in the UK, And in Australia, his work as a UK local government web manager was recognised when the Walsall Council's website was twice highlighted for outstanding performance by the Society of Information Technology Management in their 2007 and 2009 Better Connected reports. When he returned to Australia, Matt has been working for several Queensland government departments before taking up a digital communications role at Redland City Council. Matt's team were the winners of the 2014 Local Government Managers Australia Queensland Award for Excellence in Teamwork for their efforts during the 2014 Stradbroke bushfires. So much to talk to with this very interesting man, Matt Thanks very much for joining us in Transition.
1: G'day, David. That was an amazing welcome. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) Great, mate. And thanks for giving up some of your valuable time today. I know the audience is going to be really interested in the fact that you've been overseas and back in Australia. There's so much to talk about. But let's start at the beginning. Give us the Matt Murray story.
1: Sure. So I I grew up in uh, Brisbane. Uh, and then I went to university here as well. I, um, I, I did a degree in, in leisure and tourism uh, management, thinking i 'd end up on some desert island. Uh, but it just it, it, I wound up in Europe working in kids' holiday camps and, and that was a bit uh, bit of a bit of a, it was a lot of fun. Um, but then I sort of decided what do I do, want to do with my life and uh, I opened a cafe in in Shrewsbury in England, and during that time I actually started picking up um, during the downtime in the cafe I uh, picked up a HTML book. And um, it was a big, massive, thick book, about three inches thick. And I, I pretty much read that in between making cappuccinos and flat whites. <laughs> and um, I, I decided, hey, I, I'm sick of this cafe business. It's too, too, much, too much hard work. And um, I actually got a job uh, working in, in, uh, as, a, as a web developer, I guess you could say. But as a kid, were you like a, a nerd? A little bit, absolutely. I mean, we used to have, but going back to the early 80s, uh, my dad bought us a, a VIC-20 uh, Commodore computer mm-hmm. when we were seven or eight. And, and we used to um, sort of type in, you know, me and my sister would type in lines of basic, you know, um, to try and get the screen to, to change colors, or you'd, you'd type in a three-line three, three line thing of code to say, and, and you know, Matt is cool would come up on, the, on the, the TV screen. And so we were always sort of, always messing about with computers. I had an Amiga computer and VIC-20 and, Vic 20, and always messing about but I never, I think at, at school at the time you were always told if you want to go into computers you have to be good at maths right. and uh, I was terrible at maths so uh, somehow I went elsewhere but I'd always been in, you know, in, in, interested in tech, uh, technology and computers so yeah, it was good to wind up back this way.
0: But when you read that HTML book, how was it that you were able to understand it, and you know, and, and how was it that you were able to sort of pick it up quickly and be able to use the knowledge that you were able to acquire? Well,
1: yeah, what's well, interesting, I mean, at, at school, you know, the guidance counsellors would always say, well, you know, if, if you don't do maths, you've got no hope of. Of, of you know, doing anything with computers, which is, is in in some ways is pretty absurd, because you pick up a book about HTML and it, it's, it's a markup language. It's it's not a programming language, so you're just putting tags around you know bits of of content essentially to mark them up as headings or paragraphs or bullet lists. So it's actually pretty you know very logical, uh, and then later from that, once you sort of get your head around that. Uh, you know, you then, I then pick up books on ASP and other sort of web programming languages mm-hmm. and I would actually spend my lunchtime in a cafe learning about this kind of stuff um, simply to escape uh, the job I was in I didn't like. Um, so, I actually found it, you know, it, I don't think it, the, the programming side comes naturally to me but I, I think with a bit of work, I, I do understand, I have understood it in the past and uh, it's something uh, I don't want to do be programming all, all my life but I'm, I'm actually really glad I, I, I got into it a bit.
0: Mm. So it's one thing to read a book. It's another thing to get a job. So how did that happen?
1: Right. So I worked for a couple of different – it was actually during the dot-com boom in Britain. um, And I've always thought to myself that, uh, you know, if I was in Australia, I just wouldn't have got into that industry. That's something I'm very thankful for living in in the UK um, because I had no – I had a degree, as I said, in tourism management. I rocked up to this web design company and told them I knew HTML and they gave me a job, um, you know, designing and developing websites. Anyone
0: pretty, with a pulse, was at that, so, <laughs> that sort absolutely. of environment?
1: It was, it was just a boom time and um, they actually, it was actually a bust time very shortly after. <laughs> um, so they, they, the company I was with went broke after about nine months. Yeah. They were churning out these horrible websites. <laughs> um, but then I got a job with a dot-com company. Like a similar story, after nine to ten months they went bust. Um, they, they had millions of pounds worth of um, funding um, from investors and I thought uh, – I'd never worked for government before but um, I'd actually – I saw this uh, uh, job ad with a, a local council in Staffordshire, South Staffordshire Council and I actually – for the job interview, I actually created a website for them uh, using ASP, using a database behind it. Uh, so I went to the interview and showed them that with all the skills I've been learning and they were, they were blown away and they, they uh, signed me up.
0: So when you reflect back now from that early days when you, you, you walked in and you started to where you are now, what are the big changes that you've seen and, and the key changes that people need to understand to make the best of this
1: new world that we're living in? Sure. So I think probably one of the first things is just the way that, I mean, originally um, you know, the, the website, the web team was or was actually just me, but that was always in IT, you know, it was an IT function. And two or three years after I left South Staffordshire Council and went to a different council, Warsaw Council, it was in the communications team. And that, that was 2003. And at the time, I just remember thinking, what? The website's in the communications team, that is just crazy. But of course, you know, after a year or so, or less than that, it is just the most logical place for a website to be. It's about content, about usable content that people can understand. Um, and it's 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 not an, an IT function, even though we are you know using computers to to create these sites and, and services for people. It's all about the user and uh, and what they can get out of it.
0: And so. Can you give us some insights and give our audience some insights into the, the Matt Murray process? The, you know, how do you go about making the best of and leveraging the utility of the platforms that you're working on now for, for Redland City Council?
1: Well, it's, it's definitely got to be uh, you know, for, for the user. You sort of put yourself in the user's shoes and you, you look at some content that people may come up with uh, you know, for a social media post or for a web page. And you really think, you know, wh- why would people care about this? Why would they care? Why would they want to keep reading it? You know, you've got to um, you make it very punchy to the point. It's got to be about, you know, usually about a single idea that's, that's easy for people. You know, if they're flicking through their Facebook feed or, or their Twitter feed, you know, you've got two, two or three seconds max to try and get someone's attention and to get them to click on your content. Uh, and it's just got to be engaging and, and interesting and useful. Uh, And if it's not any of those things, then I think you'll probably fail. Um, I think in terms of content on social media and on websites now for for government, you know, we are competing against so many other different brands and different, you know, pages that um, we've, we've got to make things engaging and interesting for the audience.
0: Do you tie your online activity to your offline activity as well in the communications team there at Redland City Council?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, my personal life and my, my work life are, are quite entwined usually. Um, so a few years ago, um, there's a couple of guys I used to work with in the UK at Warsaw Council. Um, one is Dan Slee, um, who's a colleague of mine, and the other one was Darren Cavney, who was my boss, the head of comms at uh, Warsaw, And they actually started this um, bit of inspiration. They started uh, a very well-known um, Twitter, and, uh, Twitter feed and website called comms 2.0. Um, which uh, sort of has features h- literally hundreds and hundreds of uh, blogs from communications people on there. And uh, I sort of uh, messaged Dan and said, look, I'm um, not, not trying to steal your idea here, but you know, do you, would you be offended if I did an Aussie version of that? Um, you know, And Dan said, no, you would be delighted. Uh, and so I, I started Comms Go Digital, which is just a, a, a Twitter feed and a website, um, mostly with Australian sort of public sector bloggers on there. And I think we've got over sixty or around seventy blogs on there now the last couple of years um, so I always try and I always try and uh, blog about what I do at work if in the hope that it might help someone else and they might read about what we do um obviously it's good for our council's reputation but it is it is it is just about you know I've learned so much from other people on the web and on Twitter that you try and you know distill your knowledge and put some give something back to people and hopefully people out there will find it useful
0: so that's um, give us the, the, the URL for that so people can go and have a look.
1: Yeah, sure. So it's www.coms, C-O-M-M-S, go, which is G-O, digital.com.au,
0: Okay. And, and the primary audience is government communicators.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we're sort of looking at the stats. I mean, mostly we get a lot of people from, mainly from Australia, UK and US uh, looking at the site. So,
0: And in terms of what do you see as the, the biggest challenge at the moment for government communicators in this space?
1: Uh, I think it, it, the landscape has kind of changed. I mean, there was a time two or three years ago when we, we'd put posts up on Facebook and, you know, we'd easily be getting four or five thousand um, reach uh, for our posts and we'd be getting accordingly comments and stuff like that. We're actually having to, you know, we, we have to become cleverer. In terms of what we're putting out there and I think for a while, you know, because Facebook is a free, um, you know, it it is in theory free um, compared to say the local paper or other, uh, you know, communications methods sometimes, um, that people, we we were just dumping some content on Facebook because it was free and we needed to do it whereas now with with the reach dropping in recent months, um, we're looking back now and thinking, right, you know, how can we make this clever and engaging and get organic reach? Uh, because we're, not, we're just not getting the figures that we're used to on for, for some posts. And so, you know, whether that's culling some kinds of posts or just making things generally, you know, using more video, uh, you know, we are, we are actually looking at our approach at the moment to, to how we, we, um, we battle with this changing landscape.
0: And what sort of resourcing do you have there at Redland City Council and what roles and responsibilities do your team have?
1: Sure. So in my team, I have uh, three people in my team as well as myself. That was four of us, including me. Uh, and so two of the people, uh, John and Bergita, they are digital comms advisors. And so they do social media, e-newsletters, uh, they do websites, intranet, uh photography, video, um, real sort of very all rounders um, which is fantastic. I have another team member called Jason who he does a lot of the internet kind of work in the background um, and a lot of you know, working on the uh, the internet libraries and things like that and, and he 's a very good technical troubleshooter so with with that team, um, you know, we are able to give advice not only to our uh, greater communications team who who may be the media or marketing people um, but also across council um, which is which is pretty good.
0: And how do you go about aligning yourself with the work of the media team and the marketing team?
1: Yeah, we, we, we speak to them, um, you know, on, on a daily basis in terms of what campaigns they're running and how we can help. Um, we we are in a process now. One of the things I've actually got on my, um, my to-do list for the next 12 months uh, is – to upskill a lot of the the, the team. Um, they have some fantastic skills and experience, um, but in terms of digital, many of the traditional media or, or marketing people um, don't have uh, that advanced digital skills. And so we want to, to roll out some of this knowledge uh, to them, um, but but also across council generally. You know, we, we want to up, uh, upskill people in our council to understand the role of social media. Um, we've actually rolled out... Um, Roll out Facebook pages to a lot of frontline staff, so now our libraries have got it, our performing arts centre, our art gallery, uh, our tip shop. We have a we have a like a rubbish tip that sells recycled goods that are salvaged from the, the tip, the rubbish tip, and they have their own Facebook page, which is going great guns. Uh, our animal shell to have their own Facebook page for adopting animals. So we're actually, uh, and that, that's an ongoing process as well. I mean, they're, they're absolutely fantastic, but we're, it is an ongoing process to roll out those skills uh, and that experience, our experience to people uh, in terms of how they can use social media and digital to make their, their work lives better.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt that that is best practice, being able to push the skills to the edges of the organisation and to be able to give. Uh, staff well and truly outside of the media marketing and communications areas, those skills to be able to publish useful, relevant and valuable content. But how do you manage that QA issue? How do you manage that to make sure that they are um, producing content to the standard that, you know, Redland City Council
1: needs to uh, present to its ratepayers? Sure. Well, I guess the first instance, it's about trust. Uh, So, you know, we trust these people. These are frontline staff. We trust them every day on the telephone, face to face with customers, by yeah. uh, email. So there is a lot of trust there. They know that they're not going to do anything silly uh, that would that would risk their own job or re- the reputation of council. Um, we have a, a very simple set of ten uh, social media guidelines for staff, which we 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 give people. Um, And we also have an ongoing dialogue with them. So every uh, couple of months we have a social media forum and we go around and speak about, you know, how we're winning, how, you know, what things we can maybe do to improve. We, We go sort of through topics like Facebook reach, how that works. Um, we brainstorm a lot of uh, segment ideas. So I'm really – I really love having segments on social media. So, you know, the idea of having an, an ongoing, you know, once a week or whatever, uh, a segment around um, – so for example, we've run ones on, you know, historic photos, Flashback Friday. We've run uh, crowdsourced photos, Redlands Any Day. So I think having an ongoing segment for people uh, or, you know, several segments for their page is really interesting. Um, so It's just that ongoing dialogue and, uh, yeah, it, and, and having trust in people.
0: It's interesting though the role that you're describing is almost the executive producer of the Redland City Council media company.
1: <laughs> sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean we, we'd actually love to. This is the thing we because we're across so many different things. You know, web, web, digital, uh, photography, video. We actually uh, we actually had a new mem- team member uh, come in, Bergita. From a, she's from a smaller council. She worked out in New South Wales. And I think she was just a little bit. I mean, she's absolutely brilliant, but she was I think she was a little bit overwhelmed when she first came <laughs> here. Just the, the breadth of things we've got going on, and it is very much an, uh, an analogy I use often is spinning plates. Um, and so we are, We have now. Now we're fully staffed for the first time in a long time. We're actually. We, we, we're actually now going back to a very granular level and looking at our strategy for for social media and emergencies, and and for social media generally and for digital. Uh, and we're only really getting to, to a lot of some of that sort of strategy work now um just because we've got so much going on so
0: do you have a documented content marketing strategy at the moment or that's a work in progress
1: that's a work in progress so i'm a bit embarrassed to say no we haven't um so we, we we had guidelines in the past around what we do. Um, so, for example, uh, our old we've actually we had an old vision and values at council, and and four of the key ones that we used to link in with for our content uh, were, were customer service. So we opened up uh, Facebook as Facebook and Twitter as customer service channels, which has been very successful. Um, online engagement, uh, disaster management, uh, so social media and emergencies and enhancing a sense of place which was we, which making sort of residents and, and visitors know what a wonderful place redland city is through the use of imagery um we've actually just had recently had a new vision and values so we've, we've got to uh, tie them into the new ones but that for a long time everything we did was linking into the, that vision and values uh for our council
0: yeah but i think there obviously will be some value when you really dive into these multiple sort of topic areas and being able to tie them together in such a way that the redland city you know council media team you know it does have that real you know clear guidance and direction driving back towards obviously the objectives that the council has
1: absolutely yeah
0: in terms just going back to your team there for a moment and this notion of all-rounders um uh, Let's explore that a little bit more because I, I actually think that that's the future. That really, in these centralized teams, you need people to take on multiple roles because their multiple roles have to be completed to be able to uh, activate, you know, a content marketing approach to telling the story. So, mm. how, you know, are they are they, you know, unicorns? These people.
1: <laughs> uh, no, they're, they're actually fantastic people um, but it, it was actually noted this week um, we were t- we we're actually hiring a couple of web content writers at the moment to rewrite our website for our web redevelopment project and um, we were talking about selection criteria. And one of the teams said to me, there was a lot of, you put a lot of things in your selection criteria for this job. Uh, <laughs> that's true. I, I really did. I think I put you know, everything in the kitchen sink in there because we really do want people um, to be all-rounders. And, you know, they may have... They may only have eighty percent of the skills we're looking for, but um, you know I put, I put a lot in the job descriptions I write uh, when I'm hiring people, and um, you know really looking for people with a really good set of skills across the board. You know we want to be able to say to people, right? Here's a camera, go take a photo. There's an iPhone, go take a video. Uh, update the website, or go meet with a stakeholder. Send out a new newsletter. Um, you know, this, you know, post to social media, we really need people in the digital space to be across all of these things, uh, in government. Um, it's also good for people's, you know, employability to, to, to know all this and not be too pigeonholed. Yeah.
0: No question. Now, mate, you're known for your innovation and the reputation and obviously the awards that you've won over the years, not only in the UK, but in in Australia. And um, you might be pleased to know that I use you as a case study or one of your particular Facebook campaigns that I love is the Mm -hmm. the weed identification program. (laughs) Um, Tell the audience about that because I think this was an absolutely cracking idea
1: well i can't I can't actually take credit for it, would you believe it's actually someone else in our team 's idea um but we just ran with it uh so we had an environmental advisor and she uh, met with um our Indigenous Centre, our Indigenous Centre is a an environmental education centre which is set at, at, in a place called Kapalabar. It's got um, a, a nice building there with a cafe, but it's got beautiful, um, you know, creek and surrounding sort of bushland. It's very beautiful, and they run environmental education. And one of the things that we we battle here in southeast Queensland is uh, weeds, um, you know, taking over the natural environment. And so their idea was to have this thing called Weed of the Week. Uh, and so every for six weeks, six to eight weeks, I think it was, we posted up a weed of the week on our our Facebook page. We, we reused that content on our um, news site as a, kind of like a blog. Um, we'd show people what the weed was, um, how to get rid of it, um, and what you should plant there instead. Um, there was a little bit of um, a few, a bit of laughter. You know, weed of the week. I think there was some kind of um, you know underlying uh, bit of a funny drug reference. which I went <laughs> over my head at the time, I must say. Um, but no, it was, really, it was really good that people were getting into it. And, and when we stopped the, the um, I think, I can't remember if it was a six or eight week run, but when we finished that, people were actually messaging us and saying, oh, where's weed of the week? And, and so I think, I, know, I think you know when you've got a good segment there when, um, when people message you. The same with our historic photos. When, whenever we finish a run of that, people will always message us and say, hey, what happened to that? Uh, so it 's good to know people you know enjoy the segments
0: but I really enjoy that that notion though from a, a business productivity around a council area that you were really uh, enabling the community to do the work that the council um, environmental staff would normally have to do in terms of eradication, but by using content. And by distributing it across multiple channels, you were able to engage the audience and activate a much larger workforce to improve the community of Redland City Council.
1: Sure, absolutely. And I think that's what we actually try to do with a lot of our – well, quite a few of our campaigns – um, it's kind of easy, well, it, it's actually kind of difficult actually to, to try and sometimes measure, you know, if we have a very low budget, it's difficult to measure that behavior change or what people have done. Um, so, we always try and work that into campaigns as well um, and, to you know, to the people to let us know or people to, to tell us to our staff that they saw something on, on social media and that they're doing something because they saw it on social media. Um, so, that, that can, be, can be tricky, but we always try and do that as well.
0: You you mention uh, measurement there, measurement and evaluation. It's an obsession of mine, uh, an obsession <laughs> of this particular program. How do yep. you go about your job of measuring and evaluating the the impact of your content marketing?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Um, to be honest, we I think we do need to improve that side of it. Um, we just look at all the usual um, statistics that you can get out of Facebook, Facebook Insights, um, you know. But again, it's it's down to things like we're very. Keen to work out that behaviour change, and you know, quite often I go to conferences, and you'll you'll get a company or an organisation in Australia get up and say, you know, we had this behavioural change uh, campaign, and we had you know fifty, hundred thousand dollars to run it, and then we had twenty thousand dollars afterwards to to monitor how people's behaviour changed afterwards. Um, you know, we just don't have that kind of anywhere near that kind of money, and so we have to look for free ways to do that. Um, so one of the ways, you know, along with all the, not the standard sort of um, social media stats and, and Google Analytics and stuff like that we get, you know, we, we just do very simple things. So when we put up uh, school holiday activities, you know, I'll actually put in the post, um, you know, when you ring up to book this for your child, tell Megan at the Art Gallery that you saw this on Facebook. And, you know, for one of the campaigns we ran, uh, every single person who rang up, who, who rang up for a kid's uh, a school activity workshop. Said, told them they saw it on Facebook, and so we just try and work that into things where we can. uh, Simply because we haven't got the money to do a lot of the the research that some some companies have.
0: Yeah, I love that idea. You know, it's that's a very simple thing that I think people could take away: is it not to get too lost in the, as you say, that you know the big heavy. Mm. You know, research where you know if you can't do it and you don't have the money, innovate. You know, sure. f- find a different way to 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 measure the signal because the thing is the the world will keep moving. There's another program. There's another thing that's moving on. So we this is the constant challenge, isn't it? Is that we we need to measure. We need to take those signals from wherever we can get them. But at the same time, nothing stops. So you got to keep taking the shots.
1: Absolutely, that's right. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, Australia is a place of obviously, you know, floods, rains, bushfires, and it's something that um, government, uh, you know, not only in Australia, but around the world really need to be on top of. And I know, again, the work that you did during the uh, Stradbroke bushfires in 2014 was, was awarded at the highest level here in Australia. I'd love to know the, the story behind that, how you prepared how you executed and then how you
1: evaluated the impact of what you did. Sure, so um, the Stratbroke Island bushfires were in January uh, 2014, Um, but sort of the work on the disaster management front had actually started when I joined council in uh, July 2012, so 18 months before that. And I'd actually worked, I'd just come from working for the Queensland State Government in the uh, Department of Community Safety, and I'd been working on, uh, so they're the, they're the agency or they were the agency in charge of things like the the uh, fire, Queensland fire, um, and, you know, general um, emergency uh, disaster preparedness and resilience. And so I had, a, had some, done some work in that field. Uh, I got to Redland City Council and, and saw that on our, on our social media channels, we weren't really doing any th- much to do with disaster management and resilience. And so, the first thing I started doing was posting, uh, we have thunderstorm warnings here in Southeast Queensland because in summer, we get smashed by a lot of yeah. uh, big, scary thunderstorms. <laughs> um, so, the first thing we started doing in, in that, that summer was posting up every single um, thunderstorm warning uh, to let people know in the Redlands that, hey, there's one coming through, make sure your car's undercover because of the hail um, and you know, lightning and other hazards like that. And at first, you know, there was, uh, I guess there were some people who were saying, well, you know, why are we doing this for? This isn't... This isn't council's stuff. We, we, we're not the Bureau of Meteorology, the weather department. Why are we we're getting involved in this? But, of course, we do have um, very strong um, responsibilities uh, in terms of disaster management uh, as a council, as a local government in Queensland, and it's about making sure that people are resilient in the community. Um, so we, we started doing that, and we they were very popular, the um, storm warning, so we're getting a lot of shares and a lot of um, attention and a lot of comments. And so then we started... Doing um, a lot more with um, in disaster management, for example, we had a, an extra tropical cyclone come through in 2013 and uh, we, we did a lot of customer service. Uh, or we did a lot of preparedness and readiness messages before that. And then after the, um, the storm had come through, extra cyclone had come through, we did a lot of uh, customer service and cleanup operations through Facebook for that because uh, a lot of trees were down, a lot of uh, roads and uh, there were issues with roads and pathways and other things. So by the time we had the, the bushfires come in, in on North Stradbroke Island um, in January 2014, we already kind of had a track record and an audience who expected, um, you know, this timely relevant content about emergencies from us. Um, so the fire on Stradi started – um, in some, a uh, lot of people who don't know North Stradbroke, it's a, this one. Of the, I think it's the second largest sand island in the world. A lot of it's national park. The fire started in some, uh, in his, well, in some sort of remote bushland, um, and it's sort of we didn't think it would do much because fires are quite common over there. Um, but it it then started to really take off. Um, it burned out some campsites, some bush, uh, some beach campsites. And so, uh, it was a lot of evacuations from the island during peak holiday period. And so we were, you know, from the start, we were putting out messages around, around the bushfire, around, um, you know, around evacuation, around what to do. Um, we, it was actually quite, they went for about two weeks all up and, um, we actually started having, there was sort of various methods we used to communicate with the public. And so as well as digital, um, there were actually issues with digital because the power went out on the island for a, for a long time. Internet access was, um, was there, but it was, you know, it wasn't maybe as strong as it would have been. Um, so we actually had a, a series of, of township meetings. I think we had 14 meetings from memory throughout the, the two weeks. And we would actually go along to these meetings with the public and the media um, and a whole load of fiery, fire, fire people and, you know, police officers, councillors, the power company all these people would get up and talk about what was happening with the fire. Uh, I would I would sit in the hall and live blog and live tweet that. Uh, and so we really took a, a very sort of media sort of approach to the fires. Uh, you know, you go on The Guardian or, you know, some of the papers here in Brisbane, uh, the Brisbane Times or whatever. And, you, you know, you see a, a live rolling blog of events going on. And so that's what. What we did. We, we, we copied that out of, you know, sort of the, the media playbook and said, right, we're going to do this. And so, we would update this live rolling blog with uh, images, with uh, live videos. We used Bambooza uh, with tweets from other agencies uh, and with snippets of information we got uh, throughout the day, just the latest information um, to really keep the public informed of what was going on. Um, so it was a really good mix of online and offline communication.
0: Now, how much of, the, of that was pre-planned or how much of it was people on the run thinking,
1: how about we do X? What about Y? Uh, there was, there was a bit, of well, I think we actually had the plans in place a lot of the time. So for example, with, with the live videos after each, after each, um, township meet, the meetings went for about depending between 30 and 45 minutes. So we didn't do. Them with live video just because of the there's different people speaking in the room and the audio may not have been uh, up to you know people may not be able to hear it. So, what we do is I, six months before this, I'd actually heard of West Midlands Fire Service in the UK uh, using Bambooza live video uh, to talk about a fire. And, you know, one fiery got up in front of the other and, and was on, on, you know, on this Bambooza video saying, hey, there's a fire here. There's a tire there's a factory going up. And, yeah, that, that just blew my mind. I thought that was absolutely awesome. Um, so I started looking at this Bambooza live video, you know, way before Periscope was invented and thought, well, how, how can we use this? And we actually set it up. I think it was about six months before these fires. We actually set it up. We integrated it into our WordPress site. I briefed my head of communications and our disaster management guys. And it was just sitting there in the background doing nothing. Um, so when the bushfires Australia come along, we went, right, this is a perfect opportunity uh, to use um, live video. And after the township meetings, we would get, um, you know, two or three-minute summary from the main, um, you know, police officer or the main fire officer. Uh, we used our councillors and other people as well. Um, and they would just give summaries of the information for people. And we would put them up uh, on Facebook, up on Bamboo's channel, up on Twitter uh, for people to watch. And, and so that was that was all pre-planned in, in a way. It was kind of sitting there in the background. Um, but other things, we, we probably did more on the fly. So, for example, another one that was quite successful was one day I was actually stuck on the mainland. I couldn't get across to North Stradbroke because it's about a well, half an hour ferry ride away um and i thought well i ne- i want to do another live video but I- i'm not over there so i thought right i'll do a soundcloud instead and so just on the spur, spur of the moment i rang up the fire information officer i um, i've got two iPhones one a work and a personal and i rang him up and i said look can if i if i record you can you do an update for me and he said yeah sure so i was speaking to him on one iPhone the other iPhone was recording to our redland city council soundcloud we recorded the interview about or recorded him talking about the fire and what was happening uh, we then published that up on SoundCloud and put it out now through our website, our rolling blog. Um, and it actually uh, got picked up by a couple of radio stations here in Brisbane. Um, we'll part snippets of it. Uh, and even uh, the fireies, the Queensland Fire and Emergency Services actually saw our uh, SoundCloud clip and transcribed it as a fire bulletin and put that out on their website word for word. So it was actually, that was just sort of happened uh, and that was really su- successful. So Matt, what's next? Um, it's a good question. I think, as I said, we're, we're f- fully staffed for the first time in a long time in my team. Uh, so we're actually just reviewing everything we're doing now, absolutely everything. And so we're starting with um, creating some standard messaging for social media uh, at our council, which we're hoping to um, potentially roll out you know, to show other councils and get their feedback from as well. We're completely looking at our, our content strategy. We want to develop one. We want to look at the, the stuff we're putting on Facebook. We want to do more video. Um, and I think it's just about, you know, looking at all these amazing and exciting tools that we can use like Periscope and how can we use that to communicate and engage with our community?
0: It's an amazing and exciting time to work in the government communication space. And I know the audience will appreciate so many of those insights. And I, I love the fact that you are really the executive producer of the Redland <laughs> City <laughs> Council Media Company. There is no, having been a journalist for a long time, whether you like it or not, Matt, that is the business that you're running. I love the fact that you're testing and learning. You're trialing new things. You're you're looking for where your audience is and trying to create value for them in that space. Listen to all of the the different parts of the Redland City Council that they've activated in those really narrow spaces and looking to provide value in those really narrow niches. That's the future. We now live in the narrow cast world. Forget the broadcast world. It's all about being narrow. And Matt Murray and his team there at Redland City Council know that. They also know that people actually do want to talk to council. People want to talk to government. Don't believe the rhetoric that people are, they're not interested in us at government, we're just government, we're in the way. Not true. Not true. Government is the richest source of valuable information. So have a good rummage around, just as they have at Redland City Council, and listen to how innovative they are, and how narrow they are, and how much value that they're creating. Absolutely fantastic. And also that measurement piece, they're looking for the formal and the informal signals, not just, you know, thinking, oh, we don't have enough money for a big research report, find a signal, understand it, be consistent over time, measure, 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 and you'll get those insights that you need. So Matt, Wonderful interview and thank you very much for giving us your time. And just I'd love you to give us another um, insight, sorry, a a plug of that that blog of yours, which is just a wonderful resource for government communicators all around the world. It is such a rich source of information. So give us that URL again. And how could people also get in contact with you?
1: Sure, David, that's great. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, so the website is uh, Digital. So it's www.comms.com g o d i g i t a l dot com dot a u uh, also on Twitter as coms- at coms go digital um, and uh, they can get in touch with me either through Twitter I'm either through the coms go digital Twitter or uh, at Matt Bris Vegas uh, on Twitter which is a uh, link yeah lo- I- I- Matt Murray is such a common name. It's very, very hard to get Matt Murray on any network, let me tell you. Uh, but also LinkedIn. And um, if you go through to the Comsco Digital website and um, look at any of the blogs I've written, you click on my name, it'll it'll go through to my LinkedIn as well. So...
0: Fantastic well ladies and gentlemen, wherever you might be in this big wide world of ours there 's a lot to learn from Matt Murray and let 's keep our eye on what they 're doing there at Redland City Council one of the great innovators innovators I should say in the world of government communications and just get that into your head guys you are now your own media company so how are you going to take that gift of technology in order for you to achieve the business objectives for the program area that you work for or the branch that you work for or the local government or the federal Whoever it is that you work for, you are a media company. Look what Redland City Council is doing. Take some inspiration and get out there and tell your story. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us once again on the In Transition podcast. We really do appreciate your input to the program. So hit me up on Twitter at David Pembroke. Uh, come to www.contentgroup.com.au to continue the conversation. I really do appreciate your support. I love the fact that the audience is continuing to grow. It's all a- around the world and so thanks very much for your interest. Thanks again for another week. I'll be back next week. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. For more, visit us at intransitionpodcast.com.au.